expand your mind and enrich your world. It's time for another outstanding podcast from ICRT. Welcome to another podcast edition of Taiwan Talk. I'm Keith Manconi. Currently, there are over half a million foreign workers in Taiwan, with more than 200,000 working as domestic helpers and caregivers. Many work long hours caring for the old and handicapped and are paid well below the national minimum wage of about 19,000 NT a month. Recently, the Ministry of Labor announced it was reviewing measures that would increase the salary for domestic workers to the minimum wage and set up rules that would mandate caregivers be given eight hours of continuous rest every day. To help us understand the proposals and what they could mean for foreign caregivers, we're joined now by the founder and head of a Taiwan-based NGO called Vietnamese Migrant Workers and Brides, which advocates for policy reform and offers support services to immigrants in Taiwan. Father Peter Win Van Hong, thanks for joining us. Uh, hello, Keith. Thank you very much for inviting me to be interviewed today. I'm happy to be here, and I hope that through this interview that uh, ICRT listeners will understand better about the situation of the domestic workers here in Taiwan. So first, some of our listeners might not necessarily be uh, familiar with domestic workers in Taiwan. Could you tell us a little bit about who these workers are? Why did they decide to live and work in Taiwan, and uh, what did they find when they, when they came here? Uh, these domestic workers are mainly uh, at the moment from Indonesia. A, a small portion of, the, uh, of them are from Vietnam and the Philippines. Very little number of uh, Thai workers working as domestic workers. Now, where did, why do they come here? Because they want to fight to, to earn money, to deal with their poverty, to change their, their livelihood in their own, their own country. And then... These people, prior to come to Taiwan, they have to pay a, a huge amount of money to the brokers in, in their own country, especially in, from Indo- Indonesia. At the moment, they have to pay more than 100,000 NT in order to be able to come to Taiwan. So what do you make of the ministry's announcement that it's going to be looking at these rules and potentially raising wages and requiring more time off for these workers? I'm very surprised to hear that the labor department here in Taiwan is going to raise the minimum wage for domestic workers here in Taiwan. We, the NGOs in Taiwan, uh, we are the MEN, M-E-N-T, that is Migrant Empowerment Network in Taiwan, have tried very hard to advocate uh, and lobby for, for this change for a long, long time. And, you know, the Taiwan government hasn't done anything until recently. And I know that the pressure is not coming from, from us, actually. It comes from the United Nations delegation coming here to Taiwan to, to deal with CEDAW. And this is what the Taiwan government is, is doing. And I would like to say that if this change coming from this kind of pressure, I don't think that it's a good attitude to do that. Because you only do things to satisfy others, regardless of the injustices happening to these people. That's the first thing I want to say. Second thing, for the last 10 years, we have tried to talk to the government of Taiwan that 15.840 minimum wage for the domestic workers doesn't make any sense at all. And why they make the distinction between domestic workers and those who are working in the factory. They are workers. And why don't include these people in the labor standard law? And we see that as a, an act of discrimination. 
So currently, employers of these foreign caregivers need to pay them a minimum $15,840 NT. Uh, and we're talking about raising that to the national minimum wage, which is going to be increased to $19,273 in July. But even if that were to happen, uh, the way that this is being structured, wages for these workers wouldn't actually increase the full difference between these numbers. Uh, can you talk a little bit about why that is? In this new uh, proposal, the Taiwan government did increase the amount of money for the domestic workers' wage. However, they allowed the employer to deduct 2,500 NT to pay for the food and lodging. Right, so the actual increase is more like 900 NT per yes. month. So I think that the amount of money seems to be, uh, seems to be a, a large amount. However, in reality, it's, it's, it's not. It is not. A part that I don't understand is that, you know, the people who live with the family, work as a member, of the, work for the family, and now they are deducted uh, with that amount of food and, and lodging. So I think if the government of Taiwan really want to, to help these workers, to, do, to treat these workers justly, so think about not, not having that part, food and lodging, in this new proposal. Right, and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about, so to me, 15840 a month, that sounds uh, like a, a very small amount of money to live on, especially if you're trying to support uh, a family overseas and send money back overseas. Even, even raising that uh, a little bit more still seems like uh, quite, quite a small amount to live on. Can you talk a little bit about what kind of constraints this puts on these people? H- how does this affect their life to uh, be living on this kind of money? Uh, from my own, own working experience uh, with these people, 15840 is a really small amount of money that, that these people have monthly. Why? Because they have to spend their own money here for themselves, and then they have to pay for the broker fees. I have met many Indonesian domestic workers, and then they only receive 2,000, 3,000 NT per month because they have to pay their broker fee before coming to Taiwan. And then for the family uh, of these domestic workers prior to departure, they expect that these, you know, the mother in the family will send the money home in order to help the family financially. But when they came here and they work and they only receive two or 3,000 for the, for the first 10 months, and then the needs of the family is not responded, and they themselves working here in Taiwan see that, you know, this is not what I want. And that a lot of people who run away from this group of migrant workers. I want to go back to a point that you mentioned a second ago. So the set of reforms that we're talking about would cover domestic workers and caregivers from the outside, it's not really clear to me why we're making a distinction between two different sets of foreign workers, between laborers and domestic workers. Can you talk a little bit more about uh, maybe why the government is doing it and, and, what, and how that affects these workers? I think the reason why the government is doing that is because they want to, one way, on the one hand, to respond to the needs of this society, the aging society, there are many more people become old. And then these people, 
want to have a maid who work for the in the family. So you're saying Taiwan is trying to make it easier、uh, to get more domestic help. So the Taiwan government now at the moment want to deal with that reality, not with a more creative way like other countries. In Taiwan, they want when they want to get an, a domestic worker, a caretaker, they want these people to do everything in the family, not only taking care for the elderly. They want this person to to clean, to cook, to wash, to and then sometimes, many t- other times, they they send these people to their relatives' family to do the the, the cleaning. The second thing that、uh, Taiwan government want to make the family who have the elderly happy, and then the more they can do that, and then they, and then they they can get the support by voting from this population. The, work, the migrant worker who work as a domestic worker in Kentucky in Taiwan here, they don't have power to put the pressure on the government because they cannot vote. But the employer who employ domestic worker in Kentucky, they have the power. Therefore, they dare not to do anything to make these people unhappy. If they are unhappy, and they will not vote, vote for them, vote for their party, and that is one of the very Very significant factors involved in this kind of decision.、Mm. So there are a lot of,、uh, there is a lot of pressure from these employers of foreign domestic workers who really want to keep this labor cheap, and and so it's not such a big burden on their family. Yeah. Earlier, you were saying that in many cases, even though there are laws that、uh, require a certain amount of time to be given off. Uh, for these workers, often that's not how it works in practice. Often these employers are not granting time off. So even if this set of proposals is passed, even if、uh, later this year the Ministry of Labor says that they're going to increase the wages for these domestic workers and make other rules that would require eight hours a day、uh, given to these workers off,、uh, do you have any concerns about the implementation of that? Do you think that、uh, employers are actually going to follow the rules that are, are put out? From my working experience, I am not really convinced that、uh, this new、uh, proposal will be will be implemented.、Uh, why? Because,、uh, as I said earlier, the families of the employers, when they employ a, a domestic workers or caretakers, they want this person to do everything in in the in in the house. Therefore, when the work is not done. And then the work can address first. Secondly, brokers, even though they receive the services money from the worker, however, they are always standing on the side of the employers, and they will put the pressure on the domestic worker and caretakers to do the job that the employers want, because when the employers are happy, then the broker will get money. And therefore, domestic workers and caretakers themselves will not be able to enjoy this new regu- regulation. That is,、uh, having、uh, eight hours rest a day and then one day off a week. I really doubted it. So, if a worker, if a if a foreign domestic worker finds themselves not being given the time off that they're entitled to and、uh, being worked more than they should be. Is there anything that they can do? Can they go to the government and file a complaint, or can they go to an organization like you and find help there? What kind of help can they find? 
the government, they have uh, the hotline 1955. They can call and they complain. Uh, they can call the um, labor bureau, local labor bureau. They can call the NGO asking for help. But the government, different offices, I, I, I wonder whether they have the, the language to do that or the, and their confidence uh, because they are very, very afraid of being repatriated after complaining. My working experience have informed me that the migrant worker themselves, not regardless of domestic or caretaker or just worker working in the factory, uh, will be able to complain because after they complain, they will be singled out by the employer or the, pro, uh, or the broker, and then they will, their life is in, the, in, the, in the hell. If they call, call my office here, and then, of course, I can, I can help, and with the other NGO, we can help, and first, the first thing we can help them is to, to help them to provide them a necessary means to, to protect themselves from, from being threatened to be repatriated first, to protect them first. And then secondly, we will deal with other issues. So I think that uh, if these workers come to, come to us asking for help from the, uh, the NGO, so we, can, we will be able to help. But with the government, I don't know. The Ministry of Labor is currently saying that they're just in discussion. Uh, they're not going to rush this. They're going to consult with employers, and we're probably not going to see anything before the end of the year. And uh, another thing to point out is that we're not talking about actual legislation here. We're just talking about an administrative change. About three years ago, there was actual legislation that was introduced by uh, a portion of the Ministry of Labor, and that never got past the legislative UN. That It wasn't possible to pass that. So... As the Ministry of Labor is discussing all this and as this is all being worked on, uh, I want to ask you, what is your organization doing to uh, kind of promote this discussion and uh, make sure that what comes out of this is something that you would be happy with? The history of um, actively involved in uh, changing legislation regarding to the right of domestic workers and caretakers has been going on for the last more than more than 15 years, men have introduced to the legislative uh Jia Shu Fu Household Service Act. And we uh, numerously attended a meeting with the uh, previous Labor Department called CLA and talked about different articles in the proposal of Household Service Act. And then, as you just mentioned, that three years ago, under the Wang Wang Weiyuan, she introduced the, the the legislation to the the legislative union, but it was turned out. So, until now, uh, we, the NGO like myself and other members of MENT, has continued to to work very hard to lobby for Household Service Act. And we have encountered so many challenges and so many difficulties. So we, you know, later has uh, actively involved with the local NGO to work with the other NGO uh, regarding to a new legislation called uh, Long-Term Service Act. Uh, so we, we ourselves have um, tried very hard, and we will continue to do that because we consider that... Uh, this issue about discrimination against domestic worker and caretaker, this is an issue. It's a political issue, and it's also a social issue. There are two options that we, we suggested. One, 
is to include domestic work and can take it into the labor state law or to have a new set of law so that the rights of domestic work and can take has to be respected. So there is no uh, distinction between domestic work and can take with the foreign with the factory workers. And recently the uh, United Nations delegation coming here in Taiwan to listen to the NGOs and my office here has a representative to attend the briefing and conferences and we have raised this issue and uh, luckily that uh, the delegates who attended this uh, meeting did pay attention to this issue and I, I hope that you know we will, um, Taiwan government will listen to to us in order to to protect the rights of uh, these domestic workers and caretakers. And, we'll, and then uh, as, as long as Taiwan government hasn't done that, we will, con- we will continue to challenge it and, and find ways to, to, to deal with it. How do you think that these problems that we've discussed today, facing foreign workers, how do you think that that compares to other nations? So how do you think Taiwan compares to other nations on this score? When I had a chance to attend some government meetings to a higher level, they often talk about, they often use uh, Singapore as an example to talk about Taiwan, how Taiwan treated migrant workers and domestic workers and caretakers. And they very boasted, saying that you know, Taiwan's salary is higher than other countries. And I myself, each time I heard about it, I really feel a sense of unease in myself because, uh, you know, using other countries' uh, standards to compare for the wrong thing that you are doing in this country regarding to the way that you treat domestic work and caretakers is a, a wrong way to do it. Uh, therefore, uh, I think that with the development of democracy, with the uh, development of the social uh, trend in this con- country, so this is the issue about injustice and inequality. So that Taiwan needs to look at its issue in this country and then to deal with it in order to make the life of these people, domestic work and caretaker and factory work in this country, make their life, uh, make, make the right, the right according to, uh, have, have, to, have to be changed. So, uh, so that, that, is my, that is the way that I, I see myself when, when talking about this, 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 this issue. Uh, so just so our listeners know, the services that your organization provides, that's open to all immigrant workers, not just Vietnamese workers. Is that right? That's right, yes. Uh, however, you do specialize in Vietnamese workers. You, uh, that's, that's something that you focus on especially. Uh, can you talk a little bit about um, any particular needs that these workers have and, and the ways that you serve them uh, in particular? Yes, um, as, you, as you just said, that we, we work, uh, we help all migrant workers here. Uh, but we are specialized for the Vietnamese because I myself is a Vietnamese, and we have about four Vietnamese uh, case workers in my office and we speak Vietnamese. And then I heard from the rumor that uh, Taiwan government will open the, the, this market to the Vietnamese domestic workers and caretakers in the near future. So the concern that I have now 
With the uh, recent Thai Vietnamese government activities regarding to promulgated administrative decree 95 that uh, punish those who run away for from 4,000. 500 to 5,000 U.S. dollars when they return home. And by doing this, Taiwan government will be very happy to, to open this market for the Vietnamese uh, caretaker and domestic workers. So you're saying that uh, Vietnam is going to put a fine in place, so uh, Vietnamese workers who return back to Vietnam are going to face a, a fine? Yes. Now, by doing that, they just want to satisfy Taiwan government request regarding to this matter. Uh, so that they can open the market for the Vietnamese domestic and caretaker in the future. Uh, my point is that the Vietnamese broker is uh, very tricky and very uh, bad to the domestic and caretaker of, Viet- of Vietnamese migrant workers here in this country. So because these workers need to go out and work and earn money, therefore they don't, they don't really have the ability to understand the situation after coming to this country. I have to say that before Taiwan has accepted Vietnamese domestic and caretaker. However, they have to freeze it because a lot of them run away. And the reason why they ran to become undocumented because they had to pay a, a, a huge amount of broker fee to the Vietnamese broker prior coming to Taiwan. And so this time, the government of, Ta- of Vietnam said that for those who become, who are the domestic worker and caretaker, only have to pay about um, uh, $3,000 US dollars or $4,000 US dollars. But in reality, it is not that way. Because um, until now, for the workers who come here to work as the worker, migrant worker, they have the government regulation saying that they only have to pay 4500 But they have, but act in actual, in, in reality, they have to pay um, 6000 to six to 7000 US dollars. And then, and then the way that the broker in Vietnam did it to protect himself is to ask the Vietnamese police to come into a small room to sit with the worker and, and record a video and saying that uh, you only pay 4500 US dollars. But in reality, they had accepted about six or 7000 before they, they come into that room. Uh, why the worker didn't want to say, didn't, didn't uh, lie in front of the video? Because they had no choice. If they said the truth, and they're not allowed to, to, go, to come to Taiwan. Therefore... If Taiwan government want to open this market to the Vietnamese domestic and caretakers, Taiwan government have to make sure that there is tools and regulation so that they can monitor the amount of money that the Vietnamese domestic and caretakers have to pay to the broker prior to come to this country. Don't depend on the Vietnamese government because it's a very corrupted uh, officer and corrupted system in Vietnam. And then I think if they don't want, if Taiwan government don't have that uh, tools and, re, uh, and, and regulation to monitor it, you only open this market for, for corruption and for, uh, for injustice in, in this country. So while I have you here, uh, another issue I wanted to bring up is 
Uh, a number of years ago, you were recognized by the U.S. State Department for your work bringing to light the extent of human trafficking that was going on in Taiwan. Now, about a week ago, the U.S. State Department released its annual trafficking in persons report, and in that report, Taiwan was listed as a tier one country uh, for the fifth consecutive year. So this is a report that assesses the efforts of countries around the world to combat human trafficking, and basically it found that Taiwan met the minimum standards that they had set. So it had strong punishments, at least on the books. Um, so I'm really curious to hear your take on the report's findings as someone who,、uh, about a decade ago, traveled to the U.S. and was instrumental in having Taiwan、uh, put on the Tier Two watch list status. So bumped down from Tier One to Tier Two.、Uh, first. It seems、uh, from this report, it seems like the U.S. is sort of saying that Taiwan has made some progress since that time,、uh, and I'm curious:、uh, do you agree with that?、Uh, has it made any progress? And if so, how real is that progress? Oh, thank you very much for asking me this question. By seeing Taiwan to be listed on the Tier One, I would like to congratulate Taiwan. But、um, on the other hand, I would like to to say. That even though Taiwan has made、uh, progresses in protection, preventing, and prosecution, however, the very basic、uh, problems that creating forced labor trafficking here in this country、uh, has not yet dealt with properly. Talking about、uh, forced labor、uh, trafficking in this country, we're talking about migrant workers. And I myself working with、uh, particularly Vietnamese migrant workers, and I can see the forced labor、uh, trafficking happening to every Vietnamese migrant workers here in this country. These people have to pay a scrupulous amount of broker fee, raise, ranging from from six thousand five hundred to seven. Thousand、uh, seven hundred U.S. dollars, and so when they came to this country, they have no no other option of saying that you know this work is not what I have signed or this is not what I'm expecting. So、uh, by paying that amount of money to the broker in Vietnam, these people when they come here, they are the、uh, involuntary servitude. That that's the way I see it, and then I I, I read that part. Particular part also in the report on Taiwan, so I think until this particular part dealing with the broker in Vietnam hasn't ha- hasn't done anything about it, and I think that forced labor is still happening here to the Vietnamese migrant workers daily on a daily basis. Therefore, I really would like Taiwan government to deal with this, and I have met many officers from. Uh, from the labor department, also from NIA, and when I, when I talk about and I'll talk about this, and they said that they have no authority to do with、uh, broker fees when the worker pay、uh, in, in in Vietnam. I think that that kind of statement, I think, is overstated. It. Why? Because when the government is heard that. The amount of the broker fee that these workers have to pay in the origin country, then they have to do something about that. They have to come to to understand and then to get information and then to investigate, to, to do some vet, some investigation. And I think without doing such a things, 
and saying something like that, they they don't have no control. And I think that is for me, I can say I see that is a very irresponsible statement. So I think that that is the first part about the uh, the report. The second part is about the forced labor, prosecuting traffickers regarding to the forced labor. According to the the, the, the report, is saying something like, like that is Taiwan authority convicted 65 uh, laborers, uh, traffickers. My understanding. Because in my office here, at the moment, we have about, about 50 traf- uh, victims of human trafficking. They, they belong to different cases. And the government did convict the employers, not using the anti-human trafficking law. They're using different law to, to, to convict these traffickers, uh, these employers. Therefore, I think that, you know, to go into detail... And, and, then to, and then to see clearly whether this is correct or not, I think that I would like to challenge that. And then the third thing I would like to say is something about protection. In, in the report, there are at least 20 shelters and three run by the NIA, and then the rest come run by the, uh, the labor, labor department. That's correct. However, this year, we, the NGO, we experienced that. Um, the NIA, the trend is that they will take uh, the uh, trafficking victims to send to the, 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 the center that's run by the NIA. So previously, it didn't happen that way. So I, um, the way I see it, that uh, sometimes because the NIA shelter is located in a remote area, it is not really, uh, it is very convenient for the workers. And moreover, uh, regarding to the code, respecting culture and the language, they have to be considered about these facts as well. Uh, so I have, heard, I have heard and I have read some reports saying that they have uh, people who talk their own language, but I doubted it. So, so with regard to that last point that you were making, you were saying that... Uh, Taiwan does actually have some shelters for these migrant workers, but uh, in a lot of cases they're in not very good locations, so they're difficult for the workers to get to, and they're also not staffed by anybody who can speak their language. So there's a language barrier, and perhaps some of these workers would be a little bit afraid to go there. Uh, is, is that what you're saying? Yes. Um, I, I, I would have to correct this. There are 21 shelters, not only 20. Mm. And three ran by the NIA, and then 18 are run by the uh, the Labor Department. People, I have heard from victims of human trafficking complaining that the NIA shelter is far away, and they don't have people who speak the language so that they can talk to, it, to, 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 to them. And I think that those are the barriers that the NIA has to, to take into consideration. Don't take the victim to put in the NIA shelter for the sake of having people to live in that shelter, but be serious about the needs of the, of the uh, human trafficking victims um, and respond to those needs. Uh, so I think that, that, that is a point that I, I want to raise. We've been speaking to Father Peter Nguyen Van Hung. He's the founder and head of Taoyuan-based NGO, Vietnamese Migrant Workers and Brides. Father Hung, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Keith, for giving me this opportunity to share with your listeners. And um, uh, good health and peace to, to all of you. 
You can learn more about his organization at his website, www.taiwanact.net. That's it for this episode of Taiwan Talk. Do be sure to check out the ICRT blog page for this episode. This week, we've got a ton of good links to related articles. And please, if you would, leave a comment while you're there. Thanks for listening. For ICRT, I'm Keith Manconi.